Quick snap. Breeze. Pass is incomplete. No flag for Tommy Lee Lewis. Nikel Roby Coleman delivered a hit. And the two officials talk to each other. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag right on the Saints' sideline. Well, if Nikel Roby Coleman plays the ball, it's an interception. It's probably going the other way with it. I mean, the ball's on the other side of Roby Coleman, and but that should have been a penalty. And you, and John Payton is is justifiably upset. Way back, get up, get out of here, go! Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I'm not going to lie. I love the sound of an angry crowd in a sports game. I love that. That was, of course, yesterday's non-call in the Saints and the Rams NFC Championship game. Both championship games for each conference being held yesterday. That is all the talk. I hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for tuning in. And that's what we're going to talk about to start here on the Wisco Sports Show today. Saints, Rams, Patriots, and Chiefs. Two overtime games uh, on Championship Sunday. Something that's never happened before. And I can't complain. It was a lot of good football yesterday. Uh, I was at no point tempted to get off my couch and do something else. And if I'm being honest, that's all you can ask for, even if you don't agree with the result. A lot of things to unpack from yesterday's championship games. So I want to start with that. It was a really fun weekend otherwise as well. The Badgers got a huge win win against Michigan. If you follow me on Twitter, I I was not really surprised by that Badgers win. Thrilled, happy. I had fun watching, and, and I think it may have hopefully reinvigorated this team and this program a little bit. And hopefully they can put some things together and start winning more consistently. But I, I was not surprised by that win. Not one bit. And we'll talk about that coming up later on in the show as well. I wanted to start with yesterday's championship games. Because I think there's a lot to unpack. Not just for the purposes of who is going to the Super Bowl and who is not going to the Super Bowl. But how is it going to affect the rest of the league? Because as you heard when we started the show, a huge, a huge officiating gaffe yesterday. Well, two, depending on who you ask. Most people will want to focus on the, the pass interference that wasn't against the Saints. And then, of course, the Rams fans are going to say, well, they also missed the face mask against Jared Goff. Regardless, a very bad look at the end of the game uh, for the officiate, or the fishy, uh, the officials and for the NFL. Uh, and the Rams ended up winning 26-23 in overtime. I wasn't really cheering for either team, but I did feel bad for Jimmy Buffett, who is, of course, a Saints fan and, and sung the national anthem. Uh, it felt for that man. Other than that, I really have no sympathy for heartbreaking playoff losses. And if I'm being honest, I can't imagine Vikings fans or Bears fans listening to the Wisco Sports Show today do either. We've seen our, our fair share of heartbreak. So uh, if you want to join in on the conversation, 608-796-2558, 26-23, the beat the Saints. And then in the nightcap game, the Patriots 37-31 took down the Chiefs also in overtime. So pretty compelling television yesterday. I cannot complain. Let's start with the NFC Championship game. I don't know how to unpack this this pass interference call that was not a pass interference call. I, I don't know I don't know what to do with it. Everybody was reacting, obviously, on social media, and in the heat of the moment, it's it's going to be blown up. It's going to be magnified as to the, the NFL needs to make this change. This person needs to be fired. Yada yada. And I think on the other side of the pillow with the NFL, they're saying let's wait a week, <laughs> and then people will be making fun of the Pro Bowl, and people are going to be looking towards the Super Bowl. The NFL, I think, just like with every other quote unquote crisis that comes across 
uh, more breaking news and, and more conversation is just going to take over in a week or two. But just looking at the narrative and the conversation yesterday, officiating this year was bad. And I, I, I don't really understand it. It wasn't just this game and it wasn't just the Packers game. It wasn't just a handful. There were a lot of inconsistencies throughout the year in one form of rule enforcement or another. Yesterday, obviously, on the biggest stage on national TV to go to the Super Bowl, if that if that call is made, the Saints get first and 10. So three guaranteed plays, assuming they don't turn the ball over, can essentially run out the clock and kick the field goal that they kicked anyways and pretty much salt that game away. Now, you got to give credit to the Rams. And when I say give credit to the Rams, look, I, I'm not about playing that game. Well, you know, the Rams made play. Well, of course they did because they were given the opportunity by the refs. And, and we talked about that Minnesota-Green Bay game all season long. And, of course, the conversation is, well, the Vikings made the plays. Of course they did. Because they were granted the opportunity. But but one person I, I, I got to give major props to because he really didn't have anything to do with any of this. And that is Greg Zerline, who was <laughs> just, it didn't matter. He was hitting, you know, like a 57, 58-yard field goal to win. I mean, he was unfazed. That was impressive. Other than that, I kind of put it all in the category of, well, yeah, Jared Goff made some big throws because he was given the opportunity. Right, the, the Rams defense made some plays because they were given that extra opportunity that maybe they shouldn't have had. The kicker, I'll, I'll give credit to because he just came on and did his job. But Saints fall for the second year in an absolutely heartbreaking fashion, and I have zero sympathy for anyone other than Jimmy Buffett. And we were talking on Friday, if the Saints go to the Super Bowl, especially if they win, the Sean Payton-Drew Brees combo now all of a sudden looks a little bit better than the Mike McCarthy-Aaron Rodgers combo, and there's legacies on the line. And that game was huge legacy-wise for Drew Brees. Just like last year's Vikings mistake that led to a loss. Those are legacy games for Drew Brees. You don't get this far very often only to trip at the finish line, and that was a leg- that was a, a, a ding on Drew Brees' legacy, rather a missed opportunity to improve his legacy and climb the ladder of, of quarterbacks in the all-time ranks. That was my takeaway from that game. In the AFC, it was a little bit different. We talked on Friday. If Mahomes is able to get to the Super Bowl, I, I think it symbolizes a, a turning of the page of sorts, right? Out is Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger and, and, uh, and Tom Brady, and in are the likes of Andrew Luck and Patrick Mahomes and Carson Wentz. Well, that didn't happen. Tom Brady and the Patriots just keep doing their thing, and we'll talk more about that coming up in the show. But the worst thing, look, I know that that refereeing call in the Saints or non-call was horrible. Yes, that was embarrassingly bad. The worst thing that I saw yesterday, and it was right at the beginning of the Chiefs-Patriots uh, game, the worst thing I saw yesterday, worst thing, was Andy Reid winning the coin toss and deciding to defer. Andy Reid, I have to give sarcastic credit to you. That was maybe the stupidest thing I've seen all NFL season. I've seen some dumb stuff this year. We've seen a lot of bad games. A lot of bad officiating, a lot of bad play calling, bad kicking. And and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be critical, but it was stupid. It was stupid. You have the best offense in the league. You have a quarterback who threw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. A historically great offense. You're at home, and your offense is two, three times better than your defense. You win the coin toss, and you choose to put your worst unit on the field. After what you saw last week, Patriots started the game with an eight-minute drive to go up 7-0. to As soon as they deferred, you're, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball immediately. Now, I know we're going to end up talking about uh, uh, the punt with Julian Edelman and, and, and the play around overtime and, and the overtime rules, and that's coming up here in a few minutes because I do want to get into that discussion. I think it's fascinating. But that whole game, And the decision to kick the ball to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at home when your offense is exponentially better than your defense, I was asinine, and I cannot wrap my mind around it. And I know uh, I was talking to some people about this today, just trying to get feelers, and when we were talking, I said, look, Andy Reid deferring 
Might have been the worst thing I saw yesterday. And, you know, people respond, well, you don't want to let the Patriots double up. Well, you know, the Patriots will get the ball first in the second half. And I, and I, I understand the temptation to defer to the second half no matter what. Because you do want to get that extra possession in the second half, and it does give you that opportunity to do what the Patriots do so well, and that is double up, right? Score going into half and score coming out, and that could be a a, a 10, a 14-point swing. Who knows? And I know it's the designer, it's the fancy, it's the flashy thing to defer, and, and that's what we've seen in the past couple of years. And, and five years ago, if you'd asked me about this, I, I would defer in every game. But, but And I think people have gotten so caught up into trying to do what the Patriots do, and that is defer and double up at the, at the end of the half and the beginning of the half. Uh, I, I, I was immediately reminded of, uh, well, it's 2019, would have been seven years ago in 2012. I remember this so clearly because it was, it was almost a coming of age for me in my sports watching capabilities. I was watching the Badgers uh, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers in the Big Ten Championship game. Remember this? Well, the Badgers hung 70 on Nebraska. The Badgers' defense was fine. It wasn't nearly as good as their offense. And at the time, I'm sitting, I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting, uh, we were watching with my aunts and uncles and cousins. I was sitting on the couch next to my Uncle Brian. And when the Badgers decided to take the ball, I said, what are you doing? You need to defer. I want that extra possession in the second half. And then my Uncle Brian looked at me. And this is, this, this is what I'm talking about. This is a coming of age. This is a maturing of young Grant Bills trying to figure out sports at the age of, would have been about 14 at the time. He says, well, Grant, when your offense is that much better than your defense and you have a dominant run game to control the clock, sometimes it's better to take the ball first because you can jump out to a lead and you force the other team to play behind for the entirety of the game and you're really in control of things. And at the time, I was like, wow. My entire perspective on sports has been changed. That one moment. And I'll always remember that. And I was thinking of Uncle Brian in that exact moment in college football yesterday when I was watching that game. I said, Andy Reid, what the hell are you doing? You're kicking the ball to Tom Brady and your offense and your quarterback Threw for 50 touchdowns and had 5,000 yards this year. Asinine. You kept your MVP on the bench to start the game. You fell behind early and you weren't able to bounce back. Asinine. That was the worst thing I saw all weekend. But we also saw a lot of bad stuff uh, regarding officiating. And a lot of people are upset with the overtime rules. I don't know where I fall in the overtime rules. I don't know where, but I have some opinions. And I bet you do as well. 608-796-2558. If you want to jump in on the conversation, this is this is fun time, right? How would we change the NFL? Or would we? would we or would we not? change the rules for the NFL regarding overtime. Packers fans, you've come up on the short end of the stick a lot when it comes to overtime, especially in the postseason. So I would imagine nobody is short for words. You can join in on the five-star telecom talk and text line. We're talking, continuing to talk about yesterday's championship games and maybe what their impact will be moving forward on the NFL and the, and the sport of football in the NFL. All of that to come and a whole lot more on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me. More to come here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in and a uh, happy Martin Luther King Day to you as well. Maybe you have the day off if that's the case. I hope you spent it getting some nice needed rest and relaxation. Maybe you had to go to work and you're driving home. If that's the case, thanks for tuning in. The Bucks had some action. That's one of the things I love about Martin Luther King Day is the NBA really takes it upon itself to celebrate and make a... I don't want to say a spectacle out of it, but they make kind of a big deal out of it, as they should. The Bucks got the win over Dallas earlier today. <laughs> Maybe some of you tuned in to listen on WK2Y. I almost hope you didn't because there were some technical difficulties with the Bucks radio network. Ted Davis actually called the first quarter of this morning's game or this afternoon's game through his cell phone, and it sounded, well, it sounded like you'd imagine a game called through a cell phone would sound. So hopefully that's not your only 
uh, exposure and and experience with Bucks Radio and listening to the Bucks here on WKTY. But if that is the case and you tuned in, you said what the hell, and you tuned out, just know that that's not that's not normally how it sounds. Uh, this is the Wisco Sports Show. Like I said, we're reacting to yesterday's championship games and all the implications that are coming along with it because it's not just. Who's going to the Super Bowl? There's a lot more to unpack in these games. 608-796-2558. Both games swirling in, I don't want to call it controversy, but swirling in conversation. Because the first game, uh, probably more controversy regarding the first game, a blatant missed pass interference. And it kind of begs the question, how can the NFL and the teams in the NFL and, and the officials in the NFL allow this to happen? There must be some way that when a game means this much, and it's coming down to the wire in the final two minutes that a simple judgment call where a referee might just not have seen something that changes the course of the game, and in this case, changes the course of these teams' seasons, and like I said earlier, Drew Brees' legacy. Oh my, for sure. Certainly impacts Drew Brees' legacy. This is about as big of a game as you could get for the Saints, but but also for the Rams in some ways as well. I mean, they are playing for the Super Bowl. How can you let that slip by? There must be something the NFL can do. There must be some reaction. There must be some response. And I, I just don't think one is coming, but I have seen some stuff floating on social media. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. If you are about the social media, you can also reach out on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet at me, at Keystroker Grant. And at WKTY as well. That is, of course, the station's Twitter. I'll see it either way. We can have a discussion. I, I just I don't know what there is to be done. With the NBA, or not the NBA, but the NBA as well. With the NFL, there's a lot of judgment calls. It's not uh, blatant like in offsides where you can physically see a body crossing the line of scrimmage before the snap, right? It, it's not like in basketball, a three. He's, his toe is either behind the three-point line or in front of the three-point line. These are judgment calls. What is pass interference? There's no black and white. Now, there's definitely written and defined rules, but I don't think you can you can always apply a rule and make it clear as day. These are judgment calls happening in real time. It's always easy when you slow it down in slow motion. And sometimes then it's even a little cloudy, right? And you're like, well, I don't know. Did he allow him to come back? To, did he get his head around in time? And these refs have to make this in real time. Now, I am by no means absolving these this refereeing crew yesterday of the mistake that they made. That was a bad one. And it's made even worse by the fact that they could have called, uh, I think, a hit on a defenseless receiver. They could have called helmet to helmet. They could have called pass interference. They could have called a lot of things. Illegal contact. They, any litany of of infractions could have been called on that play. And they didn't call any. And everybody's saying, well, we just can't have this. We cannot have the final two minutes of the NFC Championship game decided by a missed call. But in my response, I I, I just don't know what it is you do. And the call on Twitter is always for where's the accountability for these refs? You know what 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 is the what is the means of, of disciplining or, or when the, when the refs make these mistakes, right? Because the, the the age old argument is the players are held responsible for their mistakes and the coaches aren't. Well, it's a different entity all entirely. First of all, so it's a little bit of a non sequitur between players and referees. But let's go down that path. What do you want to do? Fire fire the official? The NFL puts its most experienced and assumedly best referees in these games. They make a mistake. Are you just going to can them and, and what, call somebody up from the ranks? Are they going to do a better job? I, I don't think so. So then the, the argument naturally becomes, well, you have to make all penalties reviewable. I don't know about you, and I'm going to bring the mic really close because I want emphasis on this. I don't know about you, but I don't want NFL games taking any longer. How many times have we had a review where the call is made on the field, you see the challenge flag thrown, and within the next 10 seconds, one replay, one angle is all you need to see. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, they, the call's wrong. 
And you you literally needed to spend 10 seconds to watch the replay. But instead, you hear the Fox music fire up, and we'll be right back. And we take a two-minute break, and we come back, and the referee has to have this big pomp and circumstance about standing in midfield and saying, after further review, yeah, we could tell in 10 seconds. And we get that's why review is there, right? Is to right the wrongs. There's challenge flags for a reason. There's instant replay for a reason. But most of the time, it takes a whole lot longer than it needs to. And we complain about that. We complain about all the stoppages of play and all the penalties that are already called. So how many more replays and how much more stoppage of play and how many more commercial breaks is that going to lead to? And then, of course, there's the argument of, well, everything inside two minutes can be reviewable. Well, that's nice. But then what happens when something happens at at 2.04? Well, it's not inside two minutes. It was a bad pass interference call, but we're going to let it go. I mean, it's a slippery slope, you see? Because eventually you're going to say, well, we can do it inside two minutes. Why can't we do it for the whole fourth quarter, for the whole second half, for the whole game? And all of a sudden, every single flag is being reviewed. I I understand the call to action. I understand that we're all upset because we don't want games decided by referees, even when it's not our team. And can you imagine how Saints fans feel? Oh, my God. I'm still bitching about the 2012 Fail Mary game, and I'm 20 years old. That happened almost 10 years ago, and I'm still mad. It, it's the worst way for games to end. It is. But I, when you have human referees, I think it's going to happen. I, I don't know if there's a reaction to this. And I don't think the, the right response ever should be for more replays. I, I, just, I don't think that is ever the appropriate response. 608-796-2558. The other conversation to be had after yesterday is about the overtime rules in the NFL. And this is, this is ongoing, right? Number one in the regular season, because if you have a tie in an NFL game, there's 17 or 16 NFL games, 17 weeks. You never want these things to be decided by a tie. No one likes that. No one, no one wants that as the as the finished product in an NFL game. And then you get to the postseason, and, and things get a little bit more interesting because now you don't want a postseason game to be decided by the, the flip of a coin or by you never want the game to end before one offense doesn't see the field. Right? There's always something with NFL playoff rules. And people have said go to college. People have said do this. I, I just I don't know. I know I'm not supposed to be lost for words at this job, but I, I don't know what the solution is. And the, and the conversation for those who support the current NFL rules is defense still matters. Get a stop. You want your offense to have a chance? Get a stop. I, I understand that. I do. But yesterday, basically what you're saying is, okay, the, the Patriots won, a co- won the coin toss, score a touchdown, and you win. Chiefs, just get a stop. You want the ball? Get a stop. And, and that's great. But But why should they be the one forced to get a stop while the Patriots just simply have to go score. Is that fair? Is that balanced? Does overtime need to be fair? Does overtime need to be balanced? Clint Eastwood once said, deserves got nothing to do with it. And I get that too. But at the same time, you're, you're playing to go to the Super Bowl and everybody, everybody watching yesterday, myself included. And if you say otherwise, you're lying. You're lying. Everybody knew that when they assembled at midfield, just because of how that game was going, that whoever won that coin toss is going to win the game. But Grant, the Saints won the coin toss. That's a different game. Those two teams have pretty good defenses. The Chiefs don't have a great defense, and the Patriots' defense is, is okay. It's an opportunistic defense. It make, makes plays at times. They had been both playing for an entire four quarters of football, and neither defense is that good to begin with. Patrick Mahomes was slinging it. Tom Brady was slinging it, and you knew that whoever won that coin toss was going to win the game. It's just it's just a matter of fact. And maybe you're okay with that. I, I don't I don't know how I feel. I'm trying to figure it out. 
Bob texts in and says, Grant, I agree giving Brady the ball first was dumb. The Chiefs D is terrible. And to let Brady methodically use up half a quarter to put points on the board like he has is silly. Hey, Bob, you're you're preaching to the choir, man. I, I still don't understand that. I still don't understand why you would give Tom Brady the ball because as exemplified by overtime, possessions are crucial. Possessions are crucial in, in, an, in a game of football that's an hour long, especially with an offense like the Patriots that can eat up time because they know that they're on the road. They know they're the less talented offense. So shortening the game, minimizing the possessions of the Chiefs probably played right into the Patriots' hand. hand. I, I don't understand the logic there. There's a lot of logic yesterday I didn't understand. Are we okay with one half of a team not getting an opportunity in overtime? I know Packers have been on the wrong side of this enough, and we'll talk about that coming up next, but you can't tell one team to get a stop while looking at the other team and say, hey, if you score, you win. I I understand that you want to value defense, and and as you should, but if you want to value defense, you got to value both defenses. Because what if one team has an incredible offense, the other has an incredible defense, Whoever wins the coin flip, I mean, it can be a very unbalanced system. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. And oh, by the way, I should probably share this as well. This is yesterday per ESPN Stats and Info. Since 2010, NFL teams that win the toss and receive an overtime in the playoffs are now 7-1. and one. The only loss actually yesterday was by the Saints. And the Rams made a good play. They got an interception. They got pressure on the quarterback and they got an interception. But if you want to be that guy, and I love to be that guy, overtime yesterday in the Saints game never should have happened. And even so, 7-1 to is still incredible odds for claiming that. In the playoffs, when everything, the intensity is risen, when every snap means more, that just simply getting the ball on offense and winning a coin toss is probably going to win you the game. Probably. And Packers fans, you know that, because we've seen that the last couple of years. That's kind of what I want to talk about next. If the Packers were playing yesterday, let's put the Saints fans' shoes on. How would you have reacted? What would we be talking about right now, and what would the discussion be like the worst playoff loss or the worst loss, especially referee-driven in the last couple of years. I want to talk about some of these because I think it's good to get historical precedent, especially as it pertains to the Green Bay Packers. And maybe that can give us a more wholesome view of exactly what happened yesterday and maybe what's coming because of what happened yesterday. Any changes, any adjustments, any tweaks? Maybe. We have a lot of precedent in the last 10 years, and Green Bay Packers have been right in the middle of it. I want to talk about a little bit of that coming up next as well. Badgers fans, Badger basketball fans, of which I am one. I got my red sweatshirt on today. We're talking about that coming up in 15 minutes as well because they got a huge win. I was not surprised, and I have some words about that game and about this team right now because they continue to drive me wild. That all coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show with me, your host, Grant Bills, on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. You can always stream as well, WKTYsports.com, and download our mobile app while you're at it as well. Lots of ways to listen. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. We're sifting through everything from yesterday's championship games, and now I kind of I want to turn the corner, and I want to apply it to the Packers because this is the Wisco Sports Show after all, so... It's 5.30. We really haven't gotten into any Green Bay Packers talk yet, and I kind of want to do that now. We'll see if if I can pull off the transition. Uh, 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. Coach Wench says everybody is talking about the missed PI penalty, but nobody is talking about the face mask on Goff that would have given them first and goal to one-yard line instead of kicking a field goal to tie the game at 20. Look, look, Coach Wench, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you, but and I, I didn't really say this earlier, but... That's that's a reaction. The, the The conversation has been the refs 
I don't want to say screwed, but the refs, by nature of not calling that penalty, extended the game, put it into overtime, and allowed the Rams to get an opportunity to win where they should not have had one. And the reaction to people who are maybe Rams fans or or just want to argue and be devil's advocate will say, well, what about that? Well, that, that's great. They, they also missed the, the face mask penalty. But then you could go back probably another quarter and say, well, what about that hold that, that was called that wasn't a hold? What about that... Uh, uh, that block in the back on a punt that was called and, and negated a 30-yard return. I mean, you can just keep going back and back and back and back. At some point, in crunch time, when the game's running down, these calls matter, and they don't matter less because there were other calls that were made throughout the course of the game. I get what you're saying, and, and I agree with you, but this is just the nature of how officiating is handled in sports, unfortunately. Bob says, look at what Brady did on the winning drive. Three for three on third and ten. What was the D lineman thinking up? for lining a half yard offsides. And and that's just, I think that's part of the frustration with the Chiefs, I really do, or with the Patriots. Just things seem to go their way. Brady made the plays, but when they didn't make the play, they were they were bailed out by T. Ford lining up in the neutral zone. What a dink. Bob says, thinking Belichick is God and Brady is the chosen one. There has to be a higher power to get breaks they got. Bob, I agree, and, and why don't we talk about that? I was thinking earlier this morning on, on why do we hate the Patriots? Yeah, they're good, but there's lots of good teams in sports. Like the Lakers and Celtics were tremendous for the longest time. And and the Cowboys were great for a stretch. And we hate the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys. But there have been stretches where teams are great. And we don't like personally hate them. We don't come together as a country to cheer against some of these teams. And we do with the Patriots. And it's interesting because, and, and I was seeing this on Twitter yesterday. This is a great example. The Patriots seem to get all of these breaks yesterday with the Edelman punt. He makes a bozo play. You either got to play that punt or get out of the way. He gets caught in between and the ball bounces right past him. Doesn't bounce into him. Doesn't bounce under him or hit off his face mask, but skips right around him. That's a break, right? The the 15 yards that the Patriots were spotted on that roughing the passer play. That was a break. That was maybe the worst roughing the passer I'd seen all year. Right? The, the review where you couldn't really get an angle. That was a break. I mean, the Patriots got breaks. And then the one mistake they did make by throwing that interception, like you said, Bob, D. Ford was lined up in the neutral zone. Like, you, you just can't beat him. Because even when things go wrong for the Patriots, things seem to go right. And I think that's why we get so sick of watching the Patriots win. Go all the way back to the tuck rule game, where the NFL, seemingly out of nowhere, created a clause to just let the Patriots keep the ball. They're just like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, here, yeah. Hey, it's called the tuck rule. Here you go. I know it was a fumble and it doesn't really make any sense, but yeah, take the ball back. Or in the, in a couple of years ago when they played the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, and for whatever reason, the Seahawks decided to throw an interception on the one yard line. Or against the Falcons, when one of the better teams I've seen in the last four or five years just decided to blow a 25 point lead in the second half. All happening against the Patriots, right? And I understand that because as Packer fans and, and by extension, Vikings fans and Bears fans as well, you guys have, have all gone through struggles. Vikings fans have seen how many missed kicks and how many untimely interceptions like the one in 2008 by Brett Favre. If he just runs that ball, what is what is uh, what is Paul Allen? The iconic call is you can take a knee and try a 56 yard field goal, right? Brett Favre could have kneeled that ball down and you kind of like your chances with Ryan Longwell as the clock expires. Instead, he throws the pick and everything spirals out of control. Or the Blair Walsh missed kick. Or the Cody Parkey missed kick this year. And with the Packers, it's just a laundry list of breaks that didn't go their way. And that that's sports, that, right? That's sports. I'm, I'm not saying that nothing has ever gone the way for the Packers because in 2010, the Bears injured two quarterbacks in the NFC Championship game. And that probably helped the Packers to win a little bit, right? Things go your way. You get those bounces. Ben Roethlisberger just heaving the ball up as he got hit. 
for Nick Collins to camp under and score. That was a break. Things go the Packers' way, but not nearly as often as they haven't gone their way and not nearly as often as they have gone the way of the Patriots, right? Let's let's go all the way back to 2009. That wild card game, that was probably the best playoff debut of any quarterback in NFL history, Aaron Rodgers, scoring 50 points. They lose in overtime on a fumble that certainly in today's NFL would have been called a roughing the passer and a face mask. Packers would have retained possession and, and the player who did it honestly probably would have been thrown out of the league and the Packers lose. Now in 2010, they had some things go their way to win the Super Bowl, but you fast forward to 2013, Rodgers ties it against the Niners right at home, and then Micah Hyde drops what would have been a game-sealing pick six, right? 2014, the Packers literally did everything wrong in that game. The field goal, the, the fake field goal, the two-point conversion where HaHa Clinton-Dix just fell asleep, right? the onside kick, everything went wrong. Play calling was awful. In 2015, Rodgers seriously turned into what looked like Jesus Christ reincarnated in a football jersey and willed the Packers and Jared Aberdares and Jeff Janis to overtime only to lose the coin toss and then Demarius Randall fell asleep on the one player on the field you can't fall asleep on in Larry Fitzgerald and then they lose without Aaron Rodgers getting to touch the ball. Those are all bad breaks and those happen in sports. But I think we get so sick of watching the Patriots because that never happens for the Patriots. It's happened twice that I can think of in my lifetime and both were in the Super Bowl. And oh, excuse me, if the worst thing that happened to you was having a miraculous play go against you in the Super Bowl and you lost. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I guess that's a that's a, a first world type of problem, right? Because sports is supposed to feature these ups and downs and bad breaks and good breaks. And that's what make makes the, the win so much sweeter. Well, Patriots don't really ever have to deal with that for some reason. I don't really understand. 608-796-2558. Toma Dan says, Grant, that was a makeup call. They missed a face mask and gave that pass interference call. <sighs> Dan, I like I want to agree with you. And that's something that we say when we're watching games and we're trying to be funny around friends and family. You're, you're trying to sound smart. Well, that was a makeup call. I I don't know. You could certainly make that argument. I, I have a hard time believing at that point, in that bubble of that third down play, the ref said, you know, he missed the Jared Goff face mask, so we better let this one slide. I I just don't think that's how refereeing works in the real world. I know we love to say stuff like that, but I'm not sure. But definitely a good thought, definitely something to consider. Coach Wentz says, but that face mask puts the game on the one, scores a touchdown, and the whole scenario changes. I understand that, Coach, but, but there's a lot of things that could have changed over the course of the first three and a half quarters, and they just didn't. And because one thing doesn't go right at the end doesn't mean we can suddenly go back step by step and dissect every play and say, well, if this would have happened, if this would have, we'll drive ourselves crazy. We will absolutely drive ourselves crazy doing that. Bob says the Pats always put themselves in a situation to win. The Saints put themselves in that situation and didn't take advantage of it. Two field goals to start the game without a touchdown. Bob, and, and that's what it all comes back to. The Patriots put themselves in the position to win every single game. But the Packers, and this is what I'm trying to say, Bob, the the Packers were in position to win in 2013 and in 2014 and in 2015, and they just didn't get the breaks. The Patriots get the breaks. I'm not denying the greatness of Bill Belichick and the wonderful and sharp execution of Tom Brady in every single game. I'm not denying that, but it takes more than that to go to, to how many straight AFC championship games. It takes a lot of luck. It takes good breaks, and the Patriots are not short on any of those breaks. I'm not denying the greatness of anything that the Patriots have done, but the way that the NFL is designed is the exact antithesis of going to eight straight AFC championship games. That's just not how it's supposed to work. But thank you uh, for for uh, much-needed perspective uh, of all of you because today the, the five-star telecom talking text line is the devil's advocate, which I need. You're sharpening my mind here uh, on this Monday evening. 608-796-2558. That's why I think we hate the Patriots. It's not because they're great. I don't mind the Golden State Warriors. No, when Kevin Durant went there, that is a little different. That's kind of annoying, but... 
They're a great team. I can appreciate greatness while it's there. I can appreciate the greatness that is the Patriots. But they seem to be playing by different rules than everyone else. That's all I'm saying. Football laws and sports laws say that every once in a while a break goes your way and every once in a while they don't. Except for the Patriots because they always get the breaks. And I'm not saying that to be a jealous, salty B-word. I'm just saying that as a matter of fact. And I think sports fans have, have just become tired of that. Oh, the five-star telecom talking text line, 608-796-2558. Let's go uh, to the five-star telecom talking text line right now. We're talking championship games from yesterday and, and maybe their impacts and their residual effects moving forward. Caller, thanks for joining. You're on the Wisco Sports Show. What do you got? Hey, what's up? Um, you know, I don't know why people are so mad about New England. You know, then they have the other team step up. That's not their fault. That they that they're that they're winning like this. Are you are you referring well, I, to uh, are you referring to overtime the overtime rules or, or you need uh, no I'm ta- well I'm talking about the, I mean well, the, well how many years in a row is it now nine years in a row they've been a one or a two seed yeah well then they have the other team step up well they play in that easy division well you know what they still got to beat the the best teams to get to the Super Bowl no and and I agree and and I appreciate the phone call I. I Sometimes it is as easy, and when we're conversing about it like this, it is as easy as saying, well, somebody else step up. Well, and I was talking to a friend about this earlier. All, all these teams are good. We're, we're in the Final Four. We're in the AFC and NFC Championship games. Those teams are great. Those are great teams. I actually think the Chiefs are a slightly better team than the Patriots. But the Patriots are so well coached. They're so well prepared. And like you said, they always get the first round by in the high seeds, and they play at home. Part of that is because they get the break of playing in the most consistently terrible division in football, and that's a part of it. The Patriots take advantage of that year in and year out. But as we're saying, the Patriots put themselves in a position to win. But at some point, right, their division should get better. One of those teams should step up. Look at the NFC North the last couple of years. It was dominated by the Packers for a long time. Now the Bears are great. The Vikings have a tremendous roster, and the Lions have Matt Stafford. So they're always kind of a wild card. That division's not supposed to be that terrible for that long. The Patriots aren't supposed to get this many breaks this consistently throughout the course of the playoffs. I mean, look at look at the Saints. They've put themselves right. They have done exactly what the Patriots have done the last two years. They've won their division, got a tremendous seed, and been right there at the end. And things haven't broken their way. Meanwhile, for the Patriots on the other side, it has. Both teams have stepped up. Both teams have put themselves in position. But it takes a little bit more than that to win a Super Bowl. Bill Michaels, you hear him every day, eleven to two on the station. He says all the time, "You got to be good. You got to be healthy. You got to be lucky. You got to be hot." Lucky's a big part of that, right? Lucky is a huge part of that. Even when you put together a great team and you get hot at the right time and you get a good seed and you put yourself in position, sometimes it just comes down to luck. And we saw a little bit of that yesterday. And that's part of the greatness of sports, but that's also the reason why people are frustrated. And that's also the reason that we're talking about it here on the Wisco Sports Show today, right? And this is a conversation that's going to continue throughout the offseason, especially we'll see how the Super Bowl goes. But just imagine, just imagine if the Super Bowl goes to overtime and then the, the team who wins the coin flip goes down and scores a touchdown and ends the game. And either Jared Goff or Tom Brady doesn't get to touch the ball. Ooh, boy. I'm grabbing a bucket of popcorn. Because it's, it's going to be a long offseason for the NFL and talking about that, at least until the draft comes. Because like I said, NFL, everyone says they're in crisis right now. They're not. It's like, hey, next week we'll start talking about the Super Bowl and everyone will forget. But it is an interesting conversation to have nonetheless. As we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, coming up here, we got to take a quick break. But I want to talk about the Badgers. I got my Badgers sweatshirt on today because as, as interesting and as captivating as both championship games were the first time they both went to overtime, the Badgers took care of business on Saturday. And I do mean took care of business because I almost, I didn't expect, but I was not surprised the Badgers won that game at all. And I think Michigan is a tremendous team and John Beeline is a tremendous coach. 
But as I'm going to tell you, and as we're going to talk about coming up, this, that was just a Badger type of game to win, wasn't it? And part of that is why the Badgers are fun, but part of it is also why they're really frustrating this year. And I want to kind of continue that Badgers conversation coming up next as they knock off undefeated two-ranked Michigan, almost like they did when Ben Brust hit that half-court buzzer beater. It was a very similar situation, and that's why I wasn't surprised at all. We'll talk about that coming up as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next year on WKTY. segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. That was such a sweet sound, wasn't it? Badgers knocking off a top 10 team at the Kohl Center. There's nothing new about that. We've seen that plenty of times. And is anyone really surprised, right? Thanks for tuning in to WKTY. Hope you are uh, having a good holiday Monday, whether you worked or not. Martin Luther King Day is kind of a wild card like that. Thanks for tuning in, sharing a little time with me. The Badgers knocking off undefeated Number two, Michigan at the Kohl's Center on Saturday. And as I said earlier, and if you follow me on Twitter, which you should, at Keystroker Grant, not a shameless plug for my show, but, or for my Twitter, excuse me, but sometimes I tweet about things, topics, thoughts that I then express and talk about more on the show. So if you're a fan of the show, first of all, thank you. But second, if you want to be a great fan of the show, you got to follow me on Twitter because then we're really connected. I tweeted uh, Saturday morning that I said I love Michigan and Beeline, but this would be such a Badgers game to win. And by saying that, I mean, I'm a Badger fan. I got my red sweatshirt on today. But Michigan is a damn good team, and John Beeline is a damn good coach. I think John Beeline might be the most underrated. He might be, if if I could have any coach in the country, I'm taking John Beeline. I know he doesn't have the flash in recruiting of Izzo and Calipari and Krzyzewski, but in-game, dude's a wizard. He just wins games. He's a great coach. And, and still, all of that aside... I just had a feeling that the Badgers were going to win because it's that this is just such a Badgers thing to do to lose to Maryland, to lose to Minnesota, and then turn around and beat Michigan. And to be honest, the between you and me, Badgers didn't look that great on Saturday and they were still able to pull it off. It was an impressive showing, not because they looked impressive, but because they were still able to win. If I'm being honest, 64 to 54 is the final score handing Michigan their first loss. I would imagine they'll drop a little bit. In the rankings, but not a whole lot. I have a lot of respect, and I think this Michigan team is going to be right in the mix at the end of the year. But the Badgers just got things done. And what's fascinating is you look at the box score, you look at the percentages and everything, and and the Badgers, I don't think they even played their best game of the year. I just don't think they did. And they were still able to win. The discrepancy with free throws is something we've been talking about. It wasn't that big, but it was still uh, of mention. Michigan was 5 of 11. The Badgers were 7 of 9, and a couple of those. Four of those, at least, that I can count off the top of my head were at the end of the game. One, because they intentionally fouled Ethan Happ away from the bucket, which John Beeline, as much as I love him, showed a little wrinkle there, showed a little crack in being one of my favorite coaches in the country because he didn't even know what the rule was in terms of an intentional foul. And then he got mad, right? He made a scene. I thought he was almost going to get teed up. Some players were holding him back. An intentional foul. You can't foul a player away from the ball, especially that far away from the ball. And I don't really get what the controversy was there. Like, was let, let me know. Was Ethan Happ like holding an invisible basketball that that I wasn't able to see? So that was the right call, and, and that forced two extra free throws, and then the two Andre Mitra tries before that. So leading up until the last minute of the game, the Badgers had only taken uh, what would have been nine free throws. They would have taken five. I mean, that's nothing. They're not getting to the line as much as their opponents, and they missed a ton of shots early that were right. They missed a bunch of bunnies. They just didn't have the touch at the rim. A lot of shots didn't fall. Badgers didn't look that good, and they still beat one of the best teams in the country, albeit at home, by 10 points. 
This Badgers team is good. The, none of these games that we've talked about so far, I've gotten mad about the Badgers on the show. I've been happy like I am today because they beat Michigan. No, this doesn't change anything. This Badgers team is exactly who I thought they were after a handful of games at the beginning of the year. Ethan Happ is one of the best damn college basketball players in the country right now. I'm not talking NBA prospects. That's different. But in terms of a pure college basketball player, he's one of the best. And he's one of the best that I've seen at Wisconsin outside of maybe those final four teams in the last 15 years. I mean, he's tremendous. He is excellent. And outside of that, you don't need a whole lot. That's just how college basketball works. Demetri Trice is better than average. And Brad Davison, especially when you talk about the intangibles, is better than average. And that's what they need to just be in the top third of the Big Ten, which ultimately is pretty much going to put you in the in the tournament at the end of the year, and, and you're going to win some games. You're going to have a shot at, at contending for the top of the Big Ten. That's all you need. This team is good. Brevin Pritzel has been great. Khalil Iverson has been awful, which, by the way, Badgers fans here in lacrosse, isn't the worst thing in the world because Kobe King looked really good on Saturday, and I think more playing time is going to be on the way for him. I bet, I bet he starts to start over Khalil Iverson if it continues to trend the way that it did because they were not willing to double off of Kobe King onto Ethan Happ. And that's something that teams will do over and over against Khalil Iverson. So if Kobe King on the floor is going to make life easier for Ethan Happ, that makes him a better team, and Kobe King's going to start pretty soon. Because Khalil Iverson hasn't done a whole lot of anything. Uh, Let me see, how many points exactly did Kobe King have? He had six points. He played 31 minutes, which is as many as Reavers, as many as Happ. Happ played 33. Davison played 36. Trice played 34. Those are starter minutes. He's just doing it in a bench capacity. Charlie Thomas, for example, the rest of the bench played one minute. Ford played 15. And Pritzel played 10. Kobe King with two or three times as much minutes as the rest of the bench. He's going to be starting pretty soon. Ethan Happ with another just stellar performance. 26 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, a couple of steals, no blocks. I guess he was, he was lacking in that department. He's one of the best players I've seen in the last 10 years to play for the Badgers. Badgers are a great team. They didn't even have to play their best game. They had some fumbled balls. They didn't. They weren't great on cleaning up the defensive glass in the final two minutes of the game, and they were still able to steal that one at home. This is a good team. And if they can just put it together, free throw-wise, and I'm not talking about making your free throws, but getting to the free throw line as much or close to as much as the opposition and cleaning up the glass and not giving away those second-chance possessions, this Badger team is really damn good. And I know I've been hard on them. I know I've yelled and I bitched and I've moaned about how they don't hit free throws and they don't do this and they don't. All those things aside, this team is really good. They should have won that game. The way that Michigan played on Saturday, coming down to the wire at the end, the Badgers should have won that game and they still didn't play that great. It's just the, it's just the way this Badger team works and it's frustrating. I don't know what to say, but if there's one takeaway from Saturday outside of, of course, the Badgers knocking off a top five opponent at home, a top two opponent, handing them their first loss. More more playing time is in the works for Kobe King. I know he played 31 minutes, but I don't know why you would play Khalil Iverson. He basically started for Khalil Iverson, who only played nine minutes, because he has no utility on the floor. Teams are willing to double off of Khalil Iverson to help on Ethan Happ. Michigan was not willing to do that off Kobe King. And between you and me, and maybe it's my lacrosse bias, but I watch Kobe King, he looks a little bit different. He looks kind of like a killer. Just the way that he handles the ball and shoots his step-back jumper and maneuvers his way around the court, he just looks different. A little bit of an edge to him. And I saw that in high school when I watched him play. And this is the first time we're about to see a little bit more of it, I think, in the next couple of weeks. I, I'm not going to say he's going to start next game over Khalil Iverson. He should. But but he should be starting sooner rather than later. In, unless Khalil I, Iverson all of a sudden develops into the player that we all thought he was going to be three years ago. Which isn't going to happen. So Kobe King better be starting pretty soon. That's all I have to say. Uh, speaking of Kobe King's alma mater, Central, we're going to have Central North tomorrow night. Assuming that game is played, we're going to get a lot of snow. 
So that game could very well be canceled. If that's the case, make sure you're keeping up to date on our website, on our events calendar, and on our Facebook page, and on our Twitter account at WK2I as well, because we will get that news out as soon as possible if that game gets canceled, because that's a big matchup tomorrow night. My old conference, the Big Rivers, coming down, and uh, let's show them what the Mississippi Valley is about, because the Big Rivers doesn't have anything on the MVC when it comes to basketball. So I'm excited. More Badgers talk tomorrow. More NFL talk tomorrow. Anything that's coming down the wire, we'll be covering it here on the Wisco Sports Show. Same time, same place. I'll talk to you then.